That was pretty awesome, wasn't it? I'll tell you, that was. Thank you. Well, we do have a lot going on this morning, so we'll just go with a quick joke here. Uh, what is the tallest building in Albany? The answer, of course, would be the library because it has so many stories. All right, well, <laughs> hey, hey, you know I was with the grandkids for, for a week last week, and what do you expect? You know, those, what you get. All right, this morning we're going to continue uh, our study in the book of 1 John, and and, uh, we're moving towards baptism. So I've entitled the message this morning, The Motivation, The Motivation. Lord, I just thank you for just you, because that's what's going to be highlighted is you. And if somebody here doesn't know you, I pray by the end they do know you, because that's all that matters. And so I ask that you would fill me afresh, you would fill this congregation, and that you would have your way now and you would be glorified in these next several minutes. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. I want you to consider when it comes to what's happening today, what you see happening in the world, I want you to know that there's no greater message. There is no greater hope than Jesus Christ. And the central message of the New Testament is that Jesus Christ is coming back. He is going to establish his kingdom of justice and righteousness. That is a fact, and that is something that we ought to celebrate. And because of this reality, the Apostle John writes these words in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Now, you see, I call that the reality check of life. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus to come back today? Now, when it comes to Jesus' second coming, we American Christians tend not to be too excited about that. You know, we think, well, that's great. That's, that's really nice. Maybe in 20 years. Maybe in 40 years. Not now. You know, I, I've got pressing things. I've got things that I want to do. And maybe some of you were even thinking this morning, you know, I don't want to talk about the sweet by and by. What I want to talk about is I've got bills to pay. You know, I've got problems on my job. My spouse is a pain in the gluteus maximus. My marriage is on the rocks. And I want to talk about now. Well, I want to remind you of something. If you read the New Testament, the second coming is a major theme in the New Testament. In fact, it's referenced eight times more than the first coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus' second coming is almost alluded to 300 times In the New Testament, that ought to tell us that Jesus' second coming actually matters. It's important. It should be important to you, and it should be important to me, and it should be important to this body. Now, Jesus gives us this warning himself about his second coming. Can you put up those scriptures in Luke chapter 12? Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and they eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he rewards the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come 
when he is least expected. The Son of Man will come when he is least expected. Now, actually what Jesus is painting here is the picture of a Jewish wedding. A Jewish wedding is is kind of interesting. It has several aspects to it, several features to it. For example, first you have the marriage covenant between the two parties. And what a lot of people don't realize is that at Jesus' first coming, Tim, can you put up that picture? Jesus was crucified. Can you right there? He was crucified. Do you understand what was happening on Good Friday? What was happening on Good Friday is the Father was cutting a covenant. He was cutting a covenant with Jesus' blood. You know, there's no covenant without blood. And the Father was cutting a covenant with you and I through Jesus' blood. And when you receive Jesus, when you recognize that the whole reason he came is for you, for me, because I was separated from him, I was lost, I was in darkness. And he paid the price for my sin. And when you receive that through faith, do you know you enter a covenant with God? It's called the new covenant. You know what that covenant is? It's a marriage covenant. Did you know that? Jesus is called the bridegroom. We are called the bride. Did you know that? So you're entering a marriage covenant. That's what was happening. Now, the second aspect of a Jewish wedding is then the son, after this covenant was cut, the son would return home to his father's house, and he would build this bridal chamber. He would build a bridal chamber for he and his bride. We actually see this in the book of John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. John chapter 14, Jesus says this. It's his final night on planet Earth, and he says this to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in also me. There's more than, now watch this, there's more than enough room in my father's home. You know, when we think, you know, when we die, we're going to each get our own little mansion. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. See, that's America. No, no, there's one house. But see, the father's got a big house. Big house, lots of room. Now watch what he says. If this were not so, I would have told you, and I am going to prepare a place for you. Now, ding, 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 ding. See, that goes off in the disciples' heads, and they're thinking, Jesus is talking about a wedding here. He's talking about he's the groom. He's going home. He's preparing a place for us. Pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Now, see, after the son prepares the bridal chamber, guess what happens next? This is the third aspect. The third aspect is the father then says, now you can go get your bride. Go fetch your bride. That's the third aspect. We see this in verse 3 of chapter 14 where it says this. When everything is ready, this is Jesus, when everything is ready, in other words, when the chamber is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that fantastic? In other words, when my little room in the mansion is finished, guess what? Jesus is going to come back and he's going to get me. And I'm going to be with him forever. That's true of you. Now, you know, a lot of you might be into prophecy, and some people believe that what you see here in John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 3 is what's known as the rapture of the church. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time because we don't have a lot of time right now, but you know what the rapture is? You see the rapture in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Can you put those verses up, Tim? Here they are. Listen, I tell you a mystery. You will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and then we will all be changed. 
For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and mortality with immortality. Do you know that one day, and I've been waiting, there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be a worldwide trumpet sound. You know what's going to happen? Suddenly those who have died in Christ, their graves are going to literally open up. Tim, put up the picture. Can you imagine what that'll be like? Suddenly you'll see all these graves opening up and these bodies that were perishing will become imperishable. They will raise with the new resurrected body. And then you know what's going to happen? Now, it's going to freak people out. Wouldn't that be cool if we were alive when that, just watching people get freaked out as these graves open up? But see, if we're alive, and I believe we are that generation, wouldn't that be something right now? Rapture occurs. In a twinkling of an eye, it says that this perfect body of mine. What are you laughing at? This imperfect body of mine will become perfect. Perishing, imperishable. Won't that be some mortality, immortality in the twinkling of an eye? And we meet Jesus in the air. Now, my point is not whether this is a rapture passage or a passage about when we die. The point is, is Jesus is coming back. Do you understand that? Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back for you, whether it's the rapture or whether it's death, but he's coming back. And I think three observations very quickly are in order here. Observation number one, and I'm going to put it in the form of a question. Does that fact that Jesus, now listen to this, does the fact that Jesus is coming back possibly today, does that affect how you're living right now? Does the fact that Jesus could come back right now, is that affecting how you're living right now? You know, for a lot of people, it doesn't, sadly. C.S. Lewis, the Oxford Don, said this. Skip, or Tim, can you put up the picture? Listen to what Lewis said now. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Do you understand what Lewis is saying? He's saying if Christianity is true, if Jesus is really who he said he is, if Jesus died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, then he said, and he's coming back again, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. He said it ought to impact everything that you do from the moment you get up in the morning to what you think, to what you say, to what you do. But on the other hand, he said, if it's a lie, no, no. If it's a lie, burn the book. Burn it. It's nothing. It's trash. It's lies. And go and live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry. C.S. Lewis is absolutely right. You know, so often I see so many people become confused in their mind. Something tragic happens to them. They have a difficult circumstance, a difficult trial, and they begin to just get muddled in their mind because of what's transpiring. I wish I just had more time about this. But let me tell you, I want to give you a scripture. If you want to live victoriously, if you really want to ride above your circumstances in life, there's no better scripture than the Apostle Paul and what he wrote in the book of Philippians. Listen to this now. Listen to what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He's speaking about, I haven't gotten to the point where I am perfect, that I'm totally like Jesus, or that I have reached perfection. In other words, that I totally look like Jesus. But Now watch this, but I press on. 
to possess the perfection which Christ Jesus has possessed me. So in other words, even though Paul hasn't reached perfection, even though Paul doesn't look perfectly like Christ, that's the benchmark. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself born again, then what your goal is, is every moment of the day to look like Jesus. And you go, wow, how you doing on that? Not too well, huh? Watch this, though. No, dear brothers and sisters, he says, I haven't achieved it. Now watch this, but I focus. See, that's what we're not good at. See, I'm watching you. Focus. Focus one thing. Here it is. Now watch this. Forgetting the past. You know, so many people are in the past. You know, oh, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. Blah, 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 blah. Well, let me tell you, if you're truly born again, then it's under the blood. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you've done something great. Doesn't matter. By the way, nobody cares that the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year. You know what? There's next year. Tom Brady can't go around. Hey, I won the Super Bowl. I said, they don't care. Come next year. Forget the past. See, it's, it's, it's a stumbling block. But watch what he says. He says, I press toward to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly price for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. What's the heavenly price? We know what the prize is. The prize is, Frank Ray, you ought to want to hear. Here it is. Good and faithful servant. Won't that be the moment? That's the apex you're driving for. The moment we are all looking for is to hear, well done, Frank. Well done, good and faithful servant, to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to hear him say that. Do you understand that the whole way to win in life is that you're playing to an audience of one? You're not playing to the audience of the person sitting next to you. Let me tell you, when you die and Jesus comes for you, you can't sit there and go, well, my spouse said. My spouse made me do. No. It's just you. See, and you got to realize the goal of living victoriously is to realize you're playing to an audience of one and his name is Jesus. All right, observation number two. If we were to meet Jesus today, if today was your day, are you prepared? Tim, quickly put up Luke chapter 12. We're going to rock and roll here. Then he told him the story. Rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear all my bars down and build bigger ones. Then have room enough to store all the wheat and all the goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. There's a moron. But God said to him, you fool. This is God. This is Papa. Moron. You will die this evening. Who will get everything you work for? Of course, your dumb children. Okay, that's the answer to that. <laughs> Tragic. Are you prepared? Jesus is saying, are you prepared to meet him now? Tonight, one of the most ominous messages you can receive is you go to a doctor, and the doctor comes walking in after looking at your tests, and he says, sorry to tell you, you have less than three months to live. I recommend you go home and you get your house in order. Jesus is saying, every Christian, every person who claims to be born again ought to be living as if today's your last day. Are you living as if your house is in order? A few questions just to think about real quick. Here we go, four of them. When I get up in the morning, 
Is my first priority, do I think, I want to please Jesus? I want to advance his kingdom. Question number two, have I repented? Have I really asked for forgiveness for my wrongs? In other words, is my book clean? Is my slate clean? Number three, have I forgiven those who have wronged me? Have I forgiven those who have wronged me? And number four, are my relationships what they should be? Are my relationships what they should be? All right, observation number three. Are you expectantly looking for Jesus to come? Are you ex- just looking expectantly? Quickly, put up chapter 12 again of Luke. It says this. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in in the middle of the night or he may come in before dawn. But wherever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Let's be clear on this point. Jesus expects the believer to be waiting expectantly and ready for him. Can I just give you a quick feel for this? Tim, put up the picture. Now, that's my little dog, Billy. Do not underrate Billy. My nickname for Billy is Killer. Tim, put up the picture. Don't mess with Billy. Now, all right, now, now listen to this. You know, when I leave the apartment and Susan's already gone, put the other picture back. Billy gets very sad, big eyes, sits on the couch, very upset. You know what I say to Billy? I say, look, Billy, I got to go, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm coming back. For you. you see, little Billy has separation anxiety. Going to take her to a dog shrink, but that's another story. Now, here's the really cool part. Now, listen to the, here's the cool part about Billy. I leave, and then when I come back, you know, I'll lock the door, you know, and it honks. I do it twice, so you get the two honks. Billy knows that's me. It's kind of like the trumpet sound. No, no, Susan can testify. Billy will fly off the couch. She's waiting right there at the door. She begins shaking. I open the door, and she's jumping up and down. I mean, I mean, I mean it's like I'm God. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think God gives us animals to teach us about faith. Don't you think? Don't you think? Seriously? I learned from Billy what it means to be waiting expectantly. We need to be waiting expectantly. I just want to run to the challenge because we've got to go to baptism. The challenge is very simple. Are you ready for his coming? Seriously, are you ready? Let me say this to you. If you are not excited by the prospect that Jesus could come back today, I'm going to tell you, you're not ready. If you are not excited about the prospect that Jesus could come back today, you are probably not ready. Let me just finish with this analogy. Years ago, you know, I would occasionally watch Monday Night Football. I would turn the television on and you'd see Hank Williams Jr. singing that iconic song, Are You Ready for Some Football? I would go, are you kidding me, Hank? I'm ready for some football. I got the remote. I got the Mountain Dew. I got my chips. I got the extra cheese. I'm ready for some football. Not really, am I ready for some football? No, I'm ready to watch some football. I'm not ready to play football. See, there's a big difference between playing and watching. See, I played football. Big difference between playing and watching. You know, the great football Oklahoma coach Bud Wilkinson once said this. He said to his team, football is a sport where there are 22 men playing on the field who desperately need rest, playing in front of 60,000 fans who desperately need exercise. 
think Bud had that right. See, there's a big difference between being a fan, a spectator, and being a participant. Which are you? No, I'm going to ask you, which are you as we close out? Are you a fan or are you really a participant? And you know the fourth aspect of a wedding, or the fifth, is after the wedding ceremony. Won't that be something? You know what the wedding ceremony is? Is the day you graduate and you meet Jesus and you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And after that comes the wedding feast. Let me tell you, put that up, Tim. God knows how to throw a party. See, my hope is there. There's going to be one big wedding feast, one big party. That's our motivation. That's our hope. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.